ladies and gentlemen, we are here and arrived Welcome. in episode 12. Yep. We're in 12 yeah. already. I can't believe that's almost... Man, we're, all, we're rolling up on three months really quick. Dude, it's, uh, it is just, it's funny. The, the more that we do this, the more it feels like we get ready before we start, before we hit that record button. It's like the process is refined. Uh, it's, it's almost like when you're even, you're going to field test. I feel like at this point it's, I only feel like I have to tell you notes or something. If I just like something weird that I want you to test right. about the disc. Yeah. It's nice. It's a little freeing, you know, just getting to feel comfortable and you know, hopefully help some people out. We did get to meet a few people down in Charleston together this weekend. That was pretty cool. So all of you Charleston folks that we met, hey, great to meet you. Thanks for coming up and saying hi. And it means a lot to us that we're out there. Uh, it's making a difference for people. So thank you for letting us know that. Absolutely. It's like they're, uh, I'm all about the catchphrases and whatnot that I throw out on my YouTube channel. At this point, I've gotten used to that. But like when multiple people, yeah, y'all are walking up, you're like, hey, Robbie, I mean, this disc is good. So I keep it in the back. I'm like, Man, we're doing it, Brad. We're doing it. So trying to trying to impact the sport in a positive way, that has been our heart here on the entire time. We have a fantastic guest, but there is someone else who is impacting the sport in a positive way, which takes us right into today's ad sponsor. Double G Craft Jerky hand-selects the highest quality meats and placing an emphasis on the most savory seasonings and nutritionally focused ingredients. By focusing on freshness, flavor, and quality, Double G strives to produce the best tasting jerky on the market. When you order our craft beef jerky online, you will be amazed at the freshness, the quality, and the flavors that you'll experience. With the disc golf season in full swing and everyone also hitting the trails and slopes this winter, you're going to want to stock up on these so that you will always have them handy when you need a boost. And the best thing about this, Robbie, is a portion of all the proceeds from each sale go to the Double G Children's Foundation. They're dedicated to providing children of all ages and backgrounds with opportunities, resources, and mentoring in both sports, disc golf, and life. So love what Double G is doing out there and Ted and all the guys at Double G Craft Jerky. Um, I got to tell you my favorite flavor. I got it right here beside me. Garlic Lover's Dream. That's my personal favorite. The perfect amount of like savory and like a little bit of garlic tang to it so i love that yes, one sir. so yeah. garlic garlic's tough to do on jerky well like garlic is a tough mm -hmm. flavor to work with in general because yeah. i understand why vampires run away from it <laughs> like it can be overwhelming at times but yeah. double g definitely nails that i am a spicy guy through and through mm -hmm. uh when i eat spicy things as you can all tell by listening to me i live congested so i try to consume as many spicy things as i can so the uh the boom boom is that's what i'm here for i can't eat it during rounds because it genuinely makes my nose run like the fountains at valhalla but uh <laughs> afterwards when i'm at home and i got plenty of tissues ready i i love it it's like spicy but not like ruin your life spicy yeah so. they're doing pre-orders right now for uh, eagles i think it's red chili vegan uh jerky so okay. completely meat free so hunter's going to be able to actually try some i'm very excited so wow. Thanks, Double G, for sponsoring today. Let's get into it. Nick Herrera in the house. We have a fantastic guest in Nick. Nick is actually from the Birmingham area. How are you doing today, Nick? Doing well. Yeah, doing good. Come on. Well, Nick, you have a very unique bag, and uh, we want to make sure before we dive into your bag, I'm not going to make the same mistake, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that I did last week where I just start talking about the Frisbees. I am want to ask you, we want our audience to get to know you, Nick. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been playing the game of disc golf? Uh, so I got into disc golf, I think it was either June or July of 2021. So I've been playing about a year now. Um, the second time ever going out, I went to the clay disc golf course here nearby. And uh, at the end of the round, I believe it was about two or three days after the world championship. And so my friend asked me, like, do you see James throw it in? Do you see James Conrad throw it in? And I was just like, I, I don't know who that is. I don't know what you're talking about. Instantly went to YouTube and started following the pro scene right after watching that throw in. So I'm kind of with the at the tail end of the, the COVID like a boost in the sport. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, tell us a little bit about your game. We want players to know when they're listening and hearing you talk about shots, sort of distances and stuff that we're talking about. How far would you say is your controlled golf distance on a backhand? Yeah, I'm a little bit of a noodle arm, so I 
probably can get control distance at about like 275, 280. If I'm walking up to a hole and it's less than 300, I'm thinking I need to attack this somehow. Um, I can throw over 300, but that's where it's getting to. I'm either trying to hyzer flip something up really well or getting my timing and form down pretty much perfectly to get that kind of distance. Okay, awesome, awesome. And then forehand, uh, do you have a forehand? And if so, what's the golf distance for your forehand? Uh, I'd like to think I have a serviceable forehand. I used it for upshots primarily through the first part of like playing and everything. But here recently, uh, some of the courses demand a good um, right movement out of your disc just to get to the pin. So I've been working on uh, forehands off the tee a lot more. And I typically get around controllable uh, 200. Uh, if I'm pushing 250, it's a good forehand day. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And I would totally agree. Having seen your game, I've gotten to, unlike a lot of our guests, I have actually gotten to play with Nick. Uh, and so I would totally agree. I wouldn't say serviceable. I would say you have a decent forehand for sure. Um, so I hope that's not offensive to be like, (laughs) it's, it's decent. Uh, no, that, that really is meant to be a compliment. So I think one of the biggest bummers, Brad, is because creators cup was so busy. We didn't get to play our round. I know still have not played a round together, Robbie. That's, that's very sad. We have now walked like a collective like five or six rounds together, but uh, have not had both of us throwing discs at the same time. So that's okay. That just means I have to come to Lynchburg, and then we'll make it happen. So Sounds good. Uh, all right. So, Nick, we put you on the putting green. You've got 10 putts from 15 feet, 10 putts from 25, 10 putts from 40 feet. How many are you making? So I did just do this outside on my practice basket. I made, I think it was nine from 15 I made seven from 25, and then I did it at 35 and got two in, and like four or five hit the chains. I was very upset with it, but um, my putting is feeling good today, surprisingly. It's really on or off most of the time, but I'd say nine, seven, and then maybe one or two is probably a good good guess there. I'd agree. I'd agree. That's awesome. And then what would you say is the biggest strength of your game? Um. I would say uh, kind of I've started getting better at using understable stuff to get further down without like trying to force stable stuff over and things like that. Um, but from the beginning, I've really saved my upshots and kind of uh, getting to the pin from drives like kind of in walkie positions have been the best for my game just because my drives haven't been uh, 100% clean throughout playing. Okay. So the scramble cake is what I'm hearing. When it's on, yeah. When that forehand, when I can actually forehand well off the tee, it's uh, it's something to hold, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think scrambling is, it's just such an underrated, it's one thing to be good at upshots. It's another to know that, like, if my, if my scramble game is feeling good, you can put me in any situation, and I'm probably going to, like, score. So uh, that is, that's a unique skill to have. Brad, do you find that... The more you play, the better your scramble game comes. Yeah, it's funny. I I, missed, I uh, made a comment. I forget which in the back episode it was. You asked me kind of the same question, and I was like, oh, I haven't really got to practice my scramble game a lot lately. I've been hitting the fairways. Like immediately after that, I've just scramble, scramble, scramble all the time. So I would say to answer your question, I'm getting a lot of practice as of late, and I am feel, feeling pretty decent on the, you know, stretching out into almost a split uh, hyzer releasing a forehand around three trees to lay it up. So I feel like I can get there, you know? Nice. Nice. And it's sometimes having the right disc is all the difference between scrambling. I wanted to make sure when Trevor and I, during the foundation store in Charleston opening, we were talking about different discs and whatnot. And I made it my goal, uh, to change Trevor's mind on a certain disc. Uh, and I think we accomplished that in the next, uh, in the later rounds. So, uh, with all that said, Nick, we're going to dive into your bag. We're going to spend a lot of time today talking about your fairway drivers. So we're going to kind of close out there. I want to start with putters, head to mids, do a brief jump into distance drivers, and then we're going to focus on those fairways. How's that sound? Sounds great. Come on. All right. So putters, you have, uh, first off, you have a lot of discs in your bag. Uh, you have, uh, I mean, you've got your... You have a Atlas bag. Uh, you have that thing yep, fully Shout packed outs. out. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I was surprised when I counted. I didn't think it was holding that many, and then it did. And 
I think it's a sizable like 25. She yeah. has some space. Um, she has some space. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. know, but Yeah, and if you're uh if you're Brody, you take it has space and then you just like shove even more in there and you're like push the limits. So, yeah. uh you got 26 discs in your bag, which is that's a big bag. That's uh mm-hmm. that is a lot of frisbees in one bag. So, uh, starting with your putters, you have six putters in there. Two of them are your putting putters. Uh, you have soft profits that you're putting with. But I, I'm kind of less concerned with that. I know for a while you were talking about switching to possibly putting with bullets. Did I remember that right? I was putting with bullets for a while. I just switched to profits. Okay, that's what it was. That's what it was. So uh, you have a bullet, a proxy, and then two enemies in your bag. What are kind of the differences between those four? Yeah, so uh, both Envies, I'm just trying to figure out which one I'm, I'm kind of leaning on more. One's Glow, one's the new Prism Plasma. Um, just trying to see the differences there. Um, the Proxy is a great turnover, kind of holds the Anheuser line disc that I use. Um, if I'm looking at the same line but want it to flatten out and go straight for a little bit is when I'm throwing the bullet. Um, but for the most part, if I'm throwing a putter, it's going to be either an Envy or uh a proxy okay okay awesome awesome well i especially with you honestly changing the like like trying to decide between the two envies that was the only thing that i saw in the putters that i was like yeah there's definitely overlap here uh and so to hear that you're like yeah i'm just trying to figure it out i think that totally fits if i were you personally i'm always a fan of the glow those prisms are great but to me they fly a lot more like the uh like an approach disc versus a like one that wants to actually stay in the air have you found like a similar vibe with that or you feel like you're pumped are they pretty similar so uh i've just been throwing the prism plasma envy whenever i uh used to throw the glow envy just to see how it's been flying compared to see if i'm throwing kind of the same kind of distance same kind of stuff like that and for the most part i've seen it has a little bit more glide but not so much fade like, I'm not uh, seeing so much leftward movement when I'm throwing it backhand than I do with the Glow Envy. Um, with the Glow Envy, I can probably, I can throw it 250 pretty consistently, pretty solidly. And with the Prism Envy, I was throwing it closer to about 260, 275 with a more straight shot. That's awesome. Which is, like, it's nice to have both, but uh, I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to keep both in the bag just yet. Okay. Okay. Can I, I ask a it. question about the bullet? Can you tell me again what what's the what purpose is the bullet serving for you? Yeah, so it's pretty much I can flick it and it'll go dead straight on a rope. Um, backhand, I use it if I want to throw kind of an anti line that flattens out, uh, not like towards the end of the flight, kind of in the middle of the flight. It'll it won't fight out of it per se, but it'll do enough to hold the anti-line and then flex pretty much. Um, whereas a proxy will just hold the anti-line until it hits the ground and then it'll flatten out. Um, but for the most part, I, I do struggle between when I'm looking at a line, if I'm throwing that proxy or the bullet, um, especially if I'm doing a forehand approach. Interesting. Yeah. So I think there's a world obvi- uh, that we're, we're big on mold minimalization here as well. I wonder if there's a, if you took the proxy out for a little bit and you just, through the bullet a lot if there's room to have two bullets in the bag and you have your like your flippy bullet and your overstable or your like more neutral bullet as an option as yeah. well uh just something to consider it's been uh it's been tough finding premium plastic bullets here recently i just got back in town from uh Idlewild and i went to every vendor just asking like you guys have any mint have any premium bullets and everybody said no luckily i found some good free tails and uh, i think i got a jackalope too but um, for the most part, premium bullets are hard to find right now. That's fair. I just heard about a website the other day, trydiscs.com, uh, and they uh, should definitely check it out. They're apparently like super easy to find, uh, like find where to find discs. I thought it was a unique resource, especially uh, as we're yeah talking about all of it. Do you guys have premium plastic at the store? I, w- I was literally looking as you were talking, and it doesn't look like we do right now. We sold them out like as soon as we got them. So, um, have have some other great mint stuff, just not any bullets right now. That's fair. That's fair. So let's jump on to fair or mid ranges. Uh, I just I just did it. I just went straight to fair one. No, that's not that's not <laughs> the vibe that we're in right. Not yet. Not yet. So you have. 
five mid-ranges in your bag. Uh, you've got the Lobster newer disc, right? Lobster only came out a couple weeks ago. Yep. yep. So right before I went to Tidal Wilds, so about yeah, a week and a half ago. Yeah. So super understable uh, option for you. Love that. The hex. Explain to me when you're throwing them the difference between the hex and the reactor. I was throwing the hex kind of uh, more so to get flip and turn it over on purpose. Um, I never really used it for a straight shooter per se. Um, I feel like I might take it out of the bag now that I have that lobster and it's definitely an easier thing to flip over. Um, but for the most part, it would it'd probably be where I was throwing the, the lobster where I'm trying to get something turned over and kind of gliding to the right um, with some more distance than like a putter would. Uh, but compared to the reactor, I'd say the reactor is probably just a faster end view for me. Um, if I'm looking at a hole that's like between that 250 to 300 range, um, and I need to be more controlled, kind of straight to slightly left shot, I'm throwing the reactor as opposed to trying to get an end view juiced all the way there. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So the hex sounds like you kind of have an answer for yourself on that one. Might be time, uh, especially now. I will say, I was not. I was not sold on the hex. I have heard positive things about the hex, but there is a missionary for it uh, who works in the same building that Brad is in, yep. and watching that man throw a hex, silly. The man like, likes his hex. It was at one point we're watching, uh, like I'm not going to say what hole it is. But at one point during uh, Foundation, it's a bogey bro battle. Uh, I'm standing with all of the locals, and they're like, yeah, dude, it's a fairway shot out of here. Everybody throws this fairway and, like, turns a little bit, flexes, and comes back. And everybody, like, they're sold. That is the line. And it's a water carry. It's, it's a nasty, nasty shot. And they were like, yeah, it's a fairway driver. So we see two fairway drivers come out, bada boom, bada bank. And then... We just see this really round disc come shooting out of the gap. And because we can't see the T from where we're standing, come shooting out of the gap. And it goes so far and it sails the basket. And we're all looking at each other and we're like, that looked like a mid range. There is, there is no way that someone just threw a mid range on this hole. And the locals can't believe it. So sure enough, Hunter comes rolling out. And I was like, Hunter, what'd you throw on that? He's like, yeah, I threw my hex. It just goes further. Dude, it is it is insane how far that disc goes. So I'm I'm with you on team like if you already own a hex, I don't know why it's not staying in more people's bags. But I think it could be you mentioned you're trying to work on that Heiser flip for more distance. I think the hex could be a good option for you to keep just to try to like finagle that line a little bit more. Uh without having to have the, the aggressive nose issues that come with fairway drivers and distance drivers as well. So uh, I'm not telling, I think in terms of your mid ranges, the only overlap I'm seeing is over in the double Bobcat pyro territory. So talk mm -hmm. to me about you've mentioned, I know we talked offline. You said your Bobcats are a little glidier than your pyro. Yeah. Uh, I threw them side by side when I first got the, uh, I think it's the sublime plastic. Is there a uh, mince premium stuff? And I was starting to get compared to a Proton Prism Pyro, and uh, I think for the most part I was getting more fade and more glide out of the out of the Bobcat. It was just going a little bit further and um, a little bit more left. The only the biggest difference I've seen uh, though is I think I get more like skips out of my Pyro as opposed to the Bobcat. Um, you know, I've seen it land kind of just it's getting movement left, but it's not skipping per se. Um, and then I got that soft uh, Royal Bobcat just to try to beat into something kind of like a straight shooter that um, I'm actually using it more so as like uh, if I'm going for the basket from far away, I don't know why the there's like a subconscious confidence there that the soft plastic is going to hit the chains and kind of drop in. Uh, still hasn't happened yet, but um, it's still just as stable as the premium plastic Bobcat, which is very exciting to me um, since it's their baseline kind of soft plastic. That's totally fair. In a similar world, Brad, do you throw any base plastic zones? Um, does I guess the, Jawbreaker would be the closest. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think a photon is... I mean, it's technically... Is it base plastic? I don't know. I'm not well-versed enough. But I throw a, a Z-Flex zone and then a, a photon zone. Okay. So, yeah. And just for what it's worth, 
um, that bobcat feels great. And I've, I've thought several times, like, should I go out and throw this bobcat and really compare it to my zone? But you know how I feel about my zone. So maybe in another episode. That's fair. I, now, I, now I know because trust me, as someone who has seen Nick throw that bobcat, that disc should 100% never leave his back. It is. He throws it very well. Uh, I've watched some nasty throw-ins with the other one through some woods. Uh, it's fantastic. So, so can ahead. I ask a question just before we move on from the mid-ranges, Robbie? Yeah. Um, so hex and lobster, right? I, I've... I've been looking at a hex about every day and feeling them in the warehouse because as we know, I have my pink zone I've had since this is the first disc I bought and it's like pretty flippy. Now it's beat in. Um, it's just getting almost unusable for me at this point and I just can't count on it. So I'm like, maybe a hex is a good, a good, uh, uh, disc to throw in my bag in that slot. Um, as a, as a beginner, would you want something like a hex that's like it's not super understable but it is understable that you could probably grow with versus like a lobster is a lobster going to be unusable for someone like nick and i once we like gain some experience and some arm speed or is that always going to be usable for us so i would put the lobster in the same realm as like the uplink okay so it's going to start really understable. So I would say as a beginner, there is some beauty to having a disc that's that understable. And I don't think that it, I, because I'm a firm believer, no disc is unusable, right? Like I could, if I had to bag a paradox, I could have a paradox in my bag and make it work. The difference is like, you have to learn how to throw the, that specific type of disc once it gets there. If I'm throwing, if I'm trying to throw a paradox at full power, it's not going to work in my bag because the disc cannot handle that much power. Mm -hmm. And that's understandable. So if I was in touchy where I want to feel like I'm throwing a touch upshot, but I'm really trying to get some more distance, that's where a paradox could work. So the thing about the lobster is that it's going to start on that understable side. Yeah. But it's going to beat in eventually. Mm -hmm. So if it's already there off the shelf, that's great. But it's going to, yeah, eventually it's going to cycle into that super, super touch area that you're feeling with your buzz of like, it's unusable. Yeah. And I'm, maybe I'm approaching it wrong. And I think maybe this is a, a better statement. With, with more understability comes more touch and you need more practice to throw it well. Is that maybe a safe s statement for that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I, I just think that as beginners, something that people don't practice and I even have started like subtly and subconsciously working this into your game, Brad, without you maybe realizing it is that in some of our, like send you to the field sessions, you've noticed I've been like, throw it at 60% power, mm -hmm. throw it at 90% power yeah. because as a, as a beginner, we are so focused on just, I don't even know what my arm's doing anyway, so I just got to rip it. Uh, mm -hmm. Like full Beyblade, let them rip. Yeah. No, we are learning how to control how much power you're putting into the disc. Is a fun, that is a, that's an intermediate to advanced level tactic. Mm -hmm. But if you can learn it early, then more discs are available to you to be thrown. Kind yeah. of a deal. Yeah, and I feel like I'm trying right now, like, to throw everything at like 80% power, 85% power. That's one less variable that I'm trying to control and do well. So that's what I'm kind of hearing you say, Robbie is as you, yeah, you're using your speed and your power as another variable to control the disc along with angle, along with arm speed, along with shot type, all of that is coming into play. Makes sense to me. Sorry to derail, but I just, I'm no. looking at this, this, all, all the disc on this chart and I'm like seeing holes in Nick's bag that are kind of are relevant to my bag. So I just, I had to ask. Yeah, totally. So Nick, another, the biggest suggestion I would give you is it sounds like the pyro, the biggest reason the pyro is coming out is for that ground play. Like when you need a skip on the ground. Uh, for sure. Yeah. So I think if I were you rather than just having a disc for that ground play, that's going to fill a similar slot in flight to your Bobcats. If I'm you, I would practice throwing a fairway driver or something like that and getting the ground skip out of that because those drivers actually have way e – it's a way easier time trying to control that ground action off of maybe a defy or something like that. 
even if you're in the like close knit, I'm throwing an approach. Uh, I felt multiple times I've been throwing a cap wrap to get some like super solid ground action. And you may think like a 150 foot shot, a cap wrap's a terrible idea. Not if I'm trying to get that ground action because I know the big rim is going to hit the ground and behave as opposed to the roundness of the pyro. You got to think like I'm dealing with X amount of space for skip versus like the larger the rim, the more very like the easier it is to hit good ground action. And for those of you who are audio listeners, if you watch at this point of the podcast, I do a nice little finger motion uh, to the uh, to the camera. So it's very visually pleasing. Too scale. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. Uh, with that said, speaking about the ground action, I want to jump into your distance drivers briefly. So you have five, five distance drivers. I'm actually going to keep the free tail as a fairway driver for this conversation. Uh, I know that it could fit. It's a 10 speed. It could fit in there, but I, and talking with Brad about your bag, I think I have a very good analogy that a lot of people might be able to relate to. Mm -hmm. So. Distance drivers, when I've played with you, I have seen you throw the Defy. Uh, you're a big fan of the Defy. Uh, yep. And then I've seen you throw the junk out of that wave. Uh, so the Photon and the Destroyer, what are they there for? Um, the Destroyer is really just there for novelty more than anything. Uh I think I was in the store and was going through the used bin and noticed we had like five or six different kinds. And so um, I just asked around and said, uh, or asked around and asked like, which one's kind of the best for somebody that doesn't throw that far. And they gave me the, uh, it's the Ricky Wysocki, it's the Raptor legs one with the little uh, T-Rex, not T-Rex, but a little Raptor. Um, I like it a lot. I've only thrown it a couple times. It's very overstable. It's not too workable for me. Um, Getting into that like twelve speed is a little too much. Uh, the photon though is, I picked it up to see how comparable it was to my fission reactor or excuse me, my fission defy, um, because fission defies are a little harder to come by. Uh, they were only in that gyro mystery box or the gyro pollution mystery box. Um, so trying to pick another one up was has been a little bit difficult. Luckily, I was able to actually pick one up this morning um, for not too too much. Uh, but the photon was really just in there as a as a wannabe replacement for that defy to see how it worked, and I've actually kind of um, fallen in love with the photon. My uh, fission defy it just beats up so quick that uh, it's kind of flipped on me a lot of the times where it used to just hold the line and ride straight. Um, and that photon is just something I can turn over myself and get that nice S line kind of forced. Uh, and so, for the most part, not really throwing the destroyer. Uh, and the photon's kind of inching its way into my bag as my uh, distant kind of what a destroyer would typically be in a player's bag. Um, very overstable, but I can turn it over and get a good S-line out of it. Okay, so I'm asking you a real, a real question, Nick. Let's get real. Let's get real. How far are you throwing that photon? Uh, Is that your got... like, 280 over 300? Yeah, that's like I, I can get over three hundred if I'm getting if I have enough wide open space to force a turnover and get that kind of and throw it flat, of course, get some good timing and everything. If I'm throwing it flat, force turnover line, it's giving me a good S. I'm probably getting a good three to three fifteen, maybe even three twenty. Um, I was it was the super long hole at Civitan Park um, over in Trustville, and I think I got a little over. Uh, 300 there because I just had a pretty simple upshot for the, the second throw. So it was, it was nice to see that because it's like a 700-foot hole. I think I got close to halfway uh, to the pin. So um, I think I went Fission Photon to my very overstable Neutron Defy um, and got up to the pin for about like a 40-foot putt. Uh, so I, I'm getting pretty good distance out of it. I will say I probably can do the same with the Wave. Um, just hyzer flipping that, uh, but that's always much more touchy. If I go to the right on that same hole, I'm in the woods, kind of up, kind of leaning against a, a small creek. So um, I felt a lot more comfortable throwing something super overstable as opposed to trying to flip something up flat. Totally fair. Totally fair. So I would I would tell you as someone if you're like if we're coaching 
I don't think that there's necessarily a huge, there's not a massive issue with having those discs in your bag, but like you're describing the amount of power and whatnot you have to throw to get those, the flight out of those discs. There's a few circumstances where that's going to be the right decision, right? Like, because the variance is so high with those high speed to like get it to be controlled. There's OB on the right, uh, there's OB on the left and it's, it's all not good. So you're probably better off in that scenario. The control that you get, you mentioned earlier, if you really get a hold of like your reactor, which flies like a longer envy, you're throwing it 270, 280. So for the control of that versus the variance of the distance drivers, it's hard. So the beauty of that is that we have fairway drivers, which are designed control drivers to fill that hole. So when we look at your fairway drivers, uh, there's one anomaly way off to the left that is the Sexton Firebird. Also in there for the novelty, similar to the Destroyer? No, I actually really like throwing the Sexton Firebird. Um, it's surprisingly one of the first discs I actually bought. Uh, and for the most part, I never thought I'd use it because it was something that was always kind of marketed as something super overstable. Uh, Firebird's going to go left for you if you don't have the arm for it. But when I started actually kind of working with it and kind of working on it, I realized it's a pretty straight shooting, glidey uh, fairway that will get left pretty hard, but still has uh, capabilities just go pretty dead straight for me because I'm kind of like Brad. I'm trying to throw 85 to 100% every throw just to limit that variance and kind of not think about, okay, I'm trying to throw this 60%, 75%, rather just go all out <laughs> since I'm trying to throw the disc best I can. Um, so the Firebird's one of my like uh, pretty good go-tos if I'm trying to get uh, a straight line that's going to fade left to the basket. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's that's one side. That's great. I'm, I'm here with that. Like, I am here for that. It's interesting to me before when we dive in, I want to hear you and Brad kind of talk about the one manufacturer bag, the one type of plastic bag, and why you would make a decision like that. Um, but when we go to the right side of your bag, so overstable side, left side, understable side, the way I would describe your bag is that you, there are two twins that were born into the understable side. And these two twins had kids and they, the kids aren't as fast as them. So they create this like trail that goes down. So there are two twins in the inertia and the free tail. They are the, they are twins. Here we go. Very similar, but slight differences because they're not the same person. And then you go free tail down to the jackalope, down to the relay. You go the inertia down to the crave. So these are like the families. Now, some people would have one of those families in their bag. You have adopted both families and they sit in your bag. Both family trees exist and they go straight down. I believe that creates so many decisions that have to be made when you're throwing those. I would struggle to see if you have any confidence when you're picking them because there are so many options that are right next to one another of if I you're stepping up to a hole and you're like, all right, I think this is an inertia. I'm going to throw the inertia. And then as soon as it comes out of your hand, if it comes out of your hand wrong, it's because you were supposed to throw the insanity there or you were supposed to throw the free tail there. And that doing that a couple of times throughout the round could lead to any time you select a disc, there's that shadow in the back of your mind of, oh no, did I make the right decision? Do I need to go back and change it anyways? Do you find that you experience that while you're on the course, Nick? Oh, for sure. I There have been holes where I've, that exact scenario has happened almost, where I'm walking up, picking out the inertia, the free tail, and then kind of the relay to set it to the side, and I'm picking between the inertia and the free tail. Um, and for the most part, I see the interlap when I'm throwing and everything, and it's really just been trying to figure out which one works better for me, trying to throw flat, trying to throw at about 85 100% power. Um, and it's been 
kind of confusing because they all fly very similar, but like with the relay compared to the jackalope, um, I've had the relay is probably like the third or fourth disc I bought. I've had it for forever and it's beat up pretty well. It's very seasoned. Um, and I get the exact same flight out of a brand new jackalope fresh off the rack. So that's kind of where, why those two are in the bag. It's, um, they give me the exact same flight. It's just more of a jackalope as a backup to the relay because I see it's almost the same flight as a seasoned relay. Um, and then with the, uh, insanity, it's that glow insanity. So it's more to me like a Thunderbird almost. Um, I still can't really get turn out of it. Uh, it's pretty straight to fade. Um, which I think I have an alpha in the bag as well, which is that same exact uh, flight pattern. And it's the same thing. Uh, just trying to figure out, it's just more of a backup. That's a different mold, but gives me the same flight. Yeah. So with that being said, here's my advice. Pick one of the families, the inertia and the craves, the free tail, the jackal up the relay, pick one of those families or even build a little hybrid whatever you know you can weave through like i like cousin eddie and i like uh, like louise or what yeah so build your build your family and then take all the other options out build two sets of families and then play two weeks with one family one set you don't have the options of the other then go play the same courses two weeks with the second family and see what the difference is in your game does it create more confidence things like that Speaking of confidence, why, and Brad, you can connect with this. This is something as a player, I have to be honest, listeners, I've just, I literally have never, never felt with. Maybe it's because I'm like ADD or I don't know. Why, why did you choose as an AM, hey, I'm only going with Discraft or I'm only going with gyro made plastic? I would love to hear y'all's thoughts on that. Nick, you go ahead. I, I have my thoughts, um, but I want to hear what yours are, Nick. So, uh, primarily, I don't, because I started with Innovadis. Like, my friend who got me into it took me out to the local course here that's five minutes away and was like, here, just throw these. And I remember it being a Shrike, a Rock, and a Shark. And um, I was only throwing a Shrike. I, I was like, oh, this is this is a thin rim. This seems fast. Let's throw that. Um so I started with Innova, and then when I bought my first disc, it was a Plasma Proxy. And uh, shortly after that, I think, is when we went out to play, and we talked about James Conrad and Worlds and everything, and I got more into the pro scene. Um, and for the most part, I'd say getting into MVP Gyro has been more, okay, let's just try to support wherever James Conrad is, because he seems to throw that stuff pretty well. Um, and then when I picked up the plastics, kind of, figured out okay this is their baseline this is their middle of the line this is their premium stuff with plasma neutron and uh electron um it was kind of easier for me to be like okay well if i get a proxy i can get an envy and that'll complement each other whereas i can get a spin as well and that might complement it even more uh and just being familiar with uh kind of the types of plastics yeah as well as the like branches that the disc go off of like it was stability and with like the flight numbers. Okay. Yeah. So mine, I think is more of like a, a character flaw as a human being, probably uh, if I'm being honest, I'm like tragically brand loyal for no reason. And I realized this one day and this was after the podcast and I was clearly closer to home Depot, but I only shop at Lowe's. I like refuse to shop at home Depot. Why? No reason. Just because I like Lowe's. I know where stuff is. I like. I just like Lowe's. And I, Home Depot seems like the opponent, and I just don't go there. Um, same thing, like, I'm like a Dairy Queen guy. I think they're, they're be- that's the best ice cream. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm like that. With Like, I'm a Mac guy, right? I will refuse to use PCs. I hate them. Like, with a passion. And Android users, I'm sorry. Just You infuriate me. Real, why no reason so i think it's real, more of a character flaw and if i'm being honest i started with you know um i got into it like watching paul and like i was already familiar with brody their discraft people i went to the you know i picked up a buzz i liked the buzz uh, i have a thing with hawks there's one called a raptor right so i picked that up and there yeah. I, there i go i'm already brand loyal i will not shop anything else so that 
it's more of a character flaw, I think, for me. But it was it was comfortable. Like you know, I, I knew it seemed like a trusted brand. I mean, they've done good marketing. They have great people on their team. You know, five time world champion uses this plastic. I mean, it's it's not the guy, right? It's got to be the plastic. So I got to use that plastic. So for sure, uh, right. My my uh, I'm very similar in thinking that I might have the same exact character flaw. <laughs> yeah, because that's it's pretty much the same reasoning here as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and really, really, what it boils down to, I think, if I'm being serious, is like comfortability and familiarity and i think you kind of said that nick which is like knowing you know i know what z plastic feels like i know what esp is like i i'm familiar with kind of how their disc branch up and down from a buzz and you know that's what i learned on i feel comfortable with it i feel comfortable with how you know the durability and like what you know even what runs are coming out and what you know who has what disc all of that just seemed pretty as a beginner I just wanted to dive in and be good at it, I think. So I wanted to eliminate variables. So that's probably it, if I'm being yeah. honest. And those are those are all totally fair points. Like that's, I I think that we can, you have to assess the why. And that's why I wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. Like there are people that are brand loyal, as you your words, not mine, y'all, uh, brand loyal to a fault. And they are, hey, I am going to be throwing Discraft from day one because they're going to sponsor me and all that jazz. Like, and that's, do I think that's the right road? Honestly, no. But for the, for the eliminating factors and being like, I'm going to be an expert in knowing this plastic and this stuff, I think it makes a lot of sense. The struggle with it, and this is where I want to go to Brad and his field testing, right? Is that if you're completely brand loyal and you only throw these things, there's a world where there might be a hole in your bag or some a hole in your game, and they might not have the best disc to fit that slot. Mm-hmm. So we had Brad go out where I want to, where I see the gap in your bag, uh, Nick, is you said you were like, I think I have an alpha in my bag that right there tells me everything I need to know about the hole in your bag because that just to me says the alpha's there but I don't love it you have to have it because you need a disc that does that but what we want to do is get you a disc that fills that slot between the firebird and those understable options that you may be able to hyzer flip and get them to go straight but as soon as it's windy uh oh that is not good, uh, and you're going to struggle in any sort of an open course with that. So we wanted to give some options in there. So we had Brad go out to the field and try two discs, one of them gyro and one of them not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so today um, I tried out Star T-Bird 3 from Innova, and I tried the, the Tesla from uh, MVP. Uh, Tesla's in Proton Plastic. Again, uh, the T-Bird 3 is in Star. Uh Want to note here, these are both lightweight discs. I mean, the Tesla is 164 and the T-Bird 3 is 171. So my big takeaway from today was, I don't know what the heck went on. These discs did not fly like I expected them to. And if I'm being 100% transparent, I didn't like fall in love with these discs, which is always heartbreaking because I want to go, I want to fall in love with a disc every time I go test them. And it's just eh, like, you know, it's just okay. Um, you know, I will say going into it, and just any time I've picked up a T-Bird or T-Bird 3, I don't love how they feel in my hand. Um, I will say, spoiler alert here, I do think of the two, the T-Bird 3 was definitely more usable for me and definitely kind of was more like what I expected uh, to be and what I think Robbie's trying to fill in your bag. Um, it's pretty funny because Robbie always sends the like your bag to me afterward. I don't ever get to see anyone's bag before we before I field test that's on purpose. Cause he doesn't want me to see like what kind of gap. And I, I see it now. I see that there's a giant gap and I get why he had me try these. Um, so yeah, initial thought, obviously the Tesla feels better in my hand. Initially, I do like the proton plastic. It's a little gummy, which I always like in like a fairway to driver slot. I don't love that, you know, going under those speed disc, but I do, it does feel better in the hand. It's a little wider rim, which always feels better in my hand. Uh, the Tiber three just seems a little bit kind of, I don't know, just kind of sharp, sharps, maybe not the word, but just the, the edges of the rim are very apparent to me, whereas the Tesla is not. So, you know, just that from a feel perspective, definitely the, uh, Tesla kind of was like, okay, this one feels good. So again, subconscious confidence, I'm going out and saying, Hey, the Tesla is probably going to be the winner for me today, which is 
completely incorrect. So, um, so flat backhand, um, I was throwing both of them almost identical. I actually sent Robbie some like pictures of they're landing like 15 feet apart, almost on top of one another. I mean, on flat backhand, about, I threw all these about 80% power. Um, I typically don't try to blast any of these unless Robbie tells me specifically, hey, hit this at 100%. Uh, plus, I had a little jujitsu injury last night, so I don't think I could have if I wanted to. So I'm just thankful I got through all of these shots that I did. So Kimuras aren't fun, kids. Just there we go. Um, anyway, so they both flew pretty identically. Um, they both were pretty straight, which surprised me. Um, I expect them to be straight a little bit because of the flight number. I expected the Tesla to kind of turn on me, but it never really did. It just kind of went straight. Uh, the Tibra 3 also pretty straight. Um, none of them, I didn't feel like they wanted to get to the ground easy, but I also didn't feel like either of them wanted to stay in the air like excessively long. It was just like that very, I guess, neutral distance. Like I didn't feel like it had extra glide. I didn't feel like there was, it wasn't enough glide. It was just kind of, eh. I hate saying that word, but that's just kind of how I felt about it. And then they both had a consistent left uh, fade at the end. Um, they didn't push super far left. They gave me like a tiny skip, but nothing, no big flare, anything like that. Just kind of went steady to the left and just kind of skipped a little and stayed there. So, uh, again, pretty neutral ground play, pretty neutral flight with a solid left finish. Which, again, looking at your bag now, I, I see that's a spot that you need. Is You need something that will go pretty straight for you and then just go left and maybe give you a tiny bit of skip, but nothing unreliable. Um, Anheuser backhand, uh, I did get quite a bit more distance out of the T-Bird 3. I was able to get a nice S-curve out of the T-Bird 3. Um, it was pretty natural. and It didn't feel like I had to really figure it out. I didn't have to figure out the Anheuser angle. It just kind of would would actually carry that turn for like the first 200 foot of flight and then just gently fade back to the left for the last, you know, 60 feet or whatever it was uh, of that particular flight. So it went about 310 for me, um, which I was pretty surprised out of a fairway driver. I, I mean, usually it's a little bit of a pump on a fairway driver to hit 300 for me. Um, even with like, you know, the FD is like my fairway driver, my slightly stable fairway driver of choice. It's still kind of a pump to get there. 310, 320 mark. Uh, and t 3 kind of went there pretty easy on Anheuser for me. Uh, Tesla, I only got about 290. I don't know what it was about the Tesla. We were just not jiving on the Anheuser angle. It seems so touchy. I was throwing into a headwind most of the time. So let's note that. But um, it's like the no, the nose angle was so touchy on the Tesla for me. I just could not really get a shot that I was like, man, that really describes the shot, an Anheuser release shot with the Tesla. Um, I would either go way nose up and it would sail up and then Heiser out pretty hard, or I'd throw it too low and it wouldn't really come back for me. It just was very inconsistent. And I'm not saying that's a default. That's probably mine, but I just could not figure out where that, what angle I wanted to live on. So, uh, Heiser backhand, um, both went about 250 to 70, didn't really push 270. Um, but with the T-Bird three, I did kind of hit that 270 to 80 mark. Um, I did figure out the amount of Heiser. I could Heiser flip the T-Bird three and get it to ride very straight and finish very straight for me. So I do think that's probably, I did feel like I had to put a little bit more power on it though. If I'm being honest, I was probably more like 85 approaching 90% to get it to flip up for me. Um, the Tesla just, I don't know. I don't feel like this just should be overstable for me, but it is. It just yeah. acted overstable. Um, not like Firebird overstable, but it acted overstable. Like even on a Heiser, it didn't crash down. Like, you know, I didn't go 100 feet and just hit at a Heiser angle and roll, right? But it did carry a Heiser line the entire and push the Heiser the entire time for about 250 feet. And, you know, give me a little skip at the end. And that's about it. So uh, very, it's very interesting to have two discs fly almost identical on flat backhand, you know, to the point where they're like within picture taking when I'm standing over, over top of them and then fly so differently on the other two releases. Again, mm. makes sense, but I didn't expect that so much. And I actually expected the Tesla to be way more understable than the T-Bird 3, and it was the exact opposite, especially since the Tesla is almost, you know, it's like so light compared to 
um, what the T-Bird 3 is. Uh, and then forehand, uh, I could actually hyzer flip the T-Bird 3 on forehand, which was kind of cool. I actually could do a flex shot with it if I really tried. Um, that would have to, I'd have to figure out the angle. I didn't feel like I was like super accurate with it, but it would kind of do, give me a full flex with the T-Bird 3. Uh, Tesla, I, I have a natural hyzer release on my forehand and it just kind of gave me a pushing hyzer. I'd say both went somewhere in the neighborhood of 250, 275 for me on forehand. Um, I don't think I would pick either one of those for forehand disc personally. They didn't feel great for me to forehand. I want a little wider rim because I do do that power grip. So um, big takeaway, really the T-Bird 3 was, if I had to rank, you know, one and two, T-Bird 3, I felt like was more controllable. It does have a little bit more stability. So I think maybe that's why I was able to maybe mess up a little bit more and it was a little heavier. So that added that on top of it. Um, it did, once I threw it a little bit more, I didn't mind the rim as much as I did in the initial feel test, if you will, of the T-Bird 3. Um, and I do feel like I was gaining some trust with it as I was throwing on the Anheuser and, and I was seeing that it would hyzer flip as I threw it more. I felt like I could trust it a little bit more. And I, I mean, I kind of like the star plastic and like a dry fairway driver, distance driver. It felt good. Um, neither one of them, it was sweaty. It was like humid. I didn't feel like any, either one of them were going to slip out of my hand. So it really wasn't a grip problem. Um, I don't know. I think they definitely both really the Tesla. I don't even feel comfortable saying, Hey Nick, I think that fits the gap that we're trying to fill because I really didn't get the f that consistent flight where I feel like that was even what Robbie's trying to get at. I will say the T-Bird 3 in my mind definitely fills that gap that you're trying to do. That slightly overstable fairway driver that has a, you know, will still get you pretty straight out there, but consistently fade to the left at the end, but not in such a wide fashion that you're going to flare skip or it's going to give you a lot of ground play. It's just going to reliably get to the left. So that's where I'm at with that. You know, again, not disappointed with the field test, just kind of, I wish I had like a love for either one of these discs. I want to love a disc and recommend my love to you from a disc. So that's just kind of where I am. Well, it's totally fair. Passion. It's easy to get other people passionate about something when you're passionate about it yourself. Right? Like mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I tried to convince Connor to become a fast and furious fan this weekend <laughs> based solely on my passion. So, right. um, Nick, Here's my question for you. You have, I, we can't say that you have an all gyroplastic bag because mm -hmm. the Firebird you enjoy. So do you have a willingness to experiment with or try the T-Bird? Uh, heck yeah, actually. I mean, I love star plastic. Like I said, I started with Innova. So I still have a super domey star Thunderbird that's just super gummy. It's bubblegum pink that I absolutely adore. Um, it's just, uh, I prefer flatter discs because it's easier to backhand and forehand those. My forehands, I have smaller hands, so it's a little bit harder to find discs that are comfortable forehand. Um, and the star Thunderbird was just a little bit tuned much dome, whereas that glow insanity with the same flight, like I said, so flat, so much easier to get a good forehand on. Um, but I'm definitely willing to try other things than gyro, um, be super excited to get some more star in my bag okay well i mean the the legendary birds uh if are not just zapdos moltres and articuno uh the firebird thunderbird and uh t-bird are the disc golf equivalents so mm -hmm. um that's the t on that so definitely what we'll do then nick is we will get you this t-bird get it in your hands have you try it for a little bit and then would you be willing to come back on so we can uh hear how it goes oh yeah for sure definitely be awesome so throw it i mean when you throw this i would throw it in comparison to the alpha i would throw it in those where you were talking about i want to throw this photon on like a full flex line to try to make sure i get left Instead of having to throw these full flex lines, the hope is, like Brad said, you can just throw this T-Bird and maybe even see that flip up that he was mm -hmm. seeing in the T-Bird. So it gets up there and then it just finishes left and not like a Firebird left, but yeah. So give you those options without the massive power requirements of the distance drivers. So if and you're down, Nick, we would love to have you back. 
Yeah, and throw this on on forehand too. I mean, that's really I'm, I'm finding some success in fairway and distance drivers. Again, the T-Bird flight number wise, T-Bird three flight number wise is not understable, but it's more understable than like a Firebird or something. And I think as beginners, we hear, "Oh, you want a really overstable disc for forehand," but I'm finding way more success off the tee with a slightly understable disc you know like a thrasher for instance you know that's what i'm maxing out my forehand distance with i think maybe the t-bird three where your hands are smaller might be a really great off the tee forehand disc for you for sure for sure i'm excited awesome well nick thanks for coming on man uh excited to see kind of these results i'll be able to see them firsthand so uh when you come back on i'll be able to tell if you're lying or no Uh, it'll be great (laughs) there we go so thank you so much nick look forward to having you back in the future you have a great rest of the day man see you dude thanks for having me on guys y'all have a good one like i'm not trying to say brad that i feel like a missionary for getting people out of one bat like one manufacturer bags but it kind of does feel like my calling. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, it worked on me. And I mean, within the episode, I think Nick's, he's got Innova in his bag everywhere now. So yeah, that's just the start. It's just a little bit, you know, you get that first non-manufacturer, one manufacturer disc in your bag and it's it's freeing, you know. I have all different types and I feel like I can go out and throw different, all kinds of different things now. So yeah, you, and you're, just, you're a man brings, for the people. Man for the people. It brings excitement once again mm-hmm. because all of yeah. a sudden when you have all of these options available to you it could be overwhelming for sure but when you have those options available it gets you pumped to like i'll be real i yeeted two stags into the lake this weekend uh and i was like already frustrated with it but it has me excited because now i'm like now i have room to try a jackalope and a soda connor was making the soda from clash look really good so like i can try those all sorts of options available speaking of new options brad what's new in the warehouse all right, so we'll stick with Clash Disc. We finally got our um, Clash Disc inventory in this week. So um, by the time this podcast comes out, it should already be up. If not, you know, check it out on the site. I'm loving the honey. The honey is kind of like, I don't know. I love my Thrasher, but that honey is just like weaving its way into my mind. Like I threw it so well, and it feels great. So Clash Discs are up. We have their full line up uh, on you know, hopefully there's still some left at the time of this podcast. Do not waste time. We don't have a ton of them, so go on and check them out. Uh, let's see. We have a full Discraft restock, including the new Swirl Brody Roach. So Ooh. those are brand new. Yep, those come out at the same time this podcast comes out. So if you made it to the end, hey, you have like 30 more seconds. Finish this podcast. Go straight over to foundationdisc.com and pick those up. They will not be around long, so please do not waste time on that. Uh, we have a full cast plast restock. Um, I think the Grim and Grim X's are already sold out, but plenty of Bergs and Ricos to go around. Make sure in the, the lots, the loots, Robbie, um, yeah. I've, I've been picking that disc up. I'm like, maybe this is another fairway that I'm looking okay. for. Maybe it's like a little, little more stable. You know, maybe if I want something to do like a flex line or get consistently left from me, I think it's feeling good. I want to take it out and field test it, I think. So it might make its I way in the bag too. Um, new apparel's dropping too. It may be out at the time of this um, this uh, podcast. I'm not exactly sure, but we got some uh, patriotic stuff coming out. Bogey Bros, Dark Horse, you name it, it's coming out. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, one other apparel item. You see the shirt I'm wearing here. Robbie, you have one of these. It's it's a Flippy Disc Golf Foundation Creators Cup jersey. Uh, they're actually releasing these to the public, which is cool. You can get them personalized. I'm going to flip around really quick. Oh, flip, flip. All business, Brad. Yeah, they, they personalize them for us, and you guys can get them personalized too at flippydiscgolf.com. You can look for the Foundation Creators Cup jersey there. They're only available till July 31st. You'll see them. There'll be links to click in this description, links to click in the Creator Cup videos. If you haven't checked those out, please do. You'll find a pretty uh, fantastic group of people and a couple, two couple, uh, a couple good people in the finals too to check out. But you'll see us wearing those jerseys in those videos. Check them out. There'll be links everywhere. Please grab one. Flippy was awesome. Um, they Absolutely. sponsored this whole event for us. They were great to us. And not only were they great, but um, I love these shirts, Robbie. Um, I know they, they're marketing them as, hey, go out and play disc golf in them, which they're perfectly fine for. And, you know, you don't get a, like this giant sweat you know, stains and things in them, which is nice. It does repel the sweat, but I love wearing them out just in normal life, working in the warehouse. They're cool. They're lightweight and they're just comfortable. Yeah, I totally agree. I have been wearing mine all day, uh, just around the house and am excited to go play disc golf this afternoon. 
after we finish recording and I know that, yeah, it's going to be sweat. Like it feels like a t-shirt, which is awesome, but then it's not like sticking to my body right. and baggy while I'm playing, yeah. which is really great. And that, that's the biggest part. I'm a bigger guy and I hate when stuff sticks to me, even, you know, athletic wear, dry fits, and these just don't. So try them out. What a great way. Support Flippy. They're a big supporter of our channel and just disc golf in general and creators, and we thank them for that. And, again, you can get them personalized for you. You can get your nickname on the back. You can get whatever you want put on the back. So uh, flippydiscgolf.com, go check them out. They are available until July 31st, and after that, you can't get them. So go check them out. Absolutely. Well, y'all, thank you for coming in. Thank you for listening. Thanks again to Nick for coming on the podcast and excited for future episodes as we just once again – trying to inject some positivity into the sport and Mm -hmm. make sure that you guys know if it's good. Keep it in the bag. See you all next week.